Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Come What May podcast. And if you're new, welcome. My name is Lucas, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Marie. Hey, friends. And, um, you know, we just talk about everything that's going on and all the randomness of this world and the craziness. And today we're going to be talking about the American church or American churchianity, the way the West has kind of deceived people and went about being a Christian and following Jesus in the wrong ways or the right ways, depending on who and where we're talking about, who and what. And with that being said, welcome, everybody. Um, What you got, Marie? Well, I guess we should probably start with... um, I was listening to some other podcasts, and they were talking about how uh, America and, like, the West are founded on Christianity and Christian principles and biblical principles, and... It was interesting because it was also talking about how Western countries are, quote unquote, Christian countries. And basically, everything's just a disaster. But like, in being called a Christian country, there's so much hatred for Christians in those said countries and I thought that was very interesting because you won't see that in Muslim countries or anything like that um well I think in the Muslim countries it seems that they are predominantly all Muslim so they're not gonna hate on each other the problem with it seems like in Christian countries is everybody is wanting to live in the world and they don't want nothing to do with Christ, I guess in so-called Christian countries. Mm-hmm. They don't want nothing to do with Christ, so they want to live their own way and do whatever they want. And then the church doesn't stand up for its beliefs. It Most of these churches these days are preaching things like uh, love is love and everybody's welcome, which everybody is welcome, but we also need to live a lifestyle of repentance and to be as Jesus was rather than the way the world is and that's why I see like the podcast you're mentioning if I'm correct is the one with Andrew Tate where he's saying the reason he's not a Christian Mm -hmm. is because Christians are weak because they don't stand up for their beliefs they let everybody walk all over them look at every film we see today Mm -hmm. somewhere in there they use Jesus Christ's name in vain something scary happens oh Jesus Christ or something bad happens it's always Jesus Christ never oh buddha or oh muhammad or any of this stuff and even with that being nobody says anything about it nobody stands up against it christians will still sit down and watch netflix and listen to this filth and not care Mm -hmm. and they don't even even if like i get it you're watching entertainment but at some point you got to be like well why why is it like this why is this the way it is and how come nobody says anything about it i think it's interesting because in america they say the vast majority of people, I mean, it might be different now in the last couple of years, but the vast majority of people identify themselves as a Christian, Yeah. which I think that's part of the problem because it's very, it's, it's loose and it's undefined. Like what, how would you classify yourself as a Christian? Most people won't answer that. Like they'll just be like, Oh no, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I, you know, I, 
blah 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 like on Sundays like it's pretty much that's it like there's not much much else to it if you ask someone to go a little bit further they usually don't or they can't or they just don't want to talk about it yeah that's a typical american christian is somebody who says yes i believe jesus died for me and i go to church Mm -hmm. once in a while or i go to church every sunday but that's it for the next six days you're back in the world but i think that's the thing i feel like a lot of people won't even say that they believe that jesus died for them i feel like a lot of people will be like yes i believe in god yeah they do say that don't they yeah i I feel like that's where a lot of it comes from they'll just be like yeah i go to church i believe in god i i believe in a higher power i try to be a good person like it's it's always those things and at that point, you have the thing of like, well, what's your definition of good? And if we take it a step back, the the Bible says none of us are good. No, not one. And so I think that's part of the problem also. American Christianity or Western Christianity might be a better way to look at it too. Looks at it as if you were, um, by definition, a good person or if you could be considered a good person. But then what is considered good. And I think once it got down to saying, oh, it's just being a good person. But then at that point, it's like, well, if you're making someone feel bad about themselves and their choices, you're not a good person. Mm -hmm. So then they're like, well, I want to be seen as a good person. So if you know someone's behaving in a way that directly contradicts with what God demands and lets us know is contradictory to what is good in his eyes and by his definition, then what do you do? You know? Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's like the main reason why people need to hear the real gospel because even people that aren't necessarily Christians or could be labeled as the churchianity group that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. the regular American citizen thinks that they're going to, they, this is what they think. If there is a heaven, they will get there because they are a good person. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the gospel says at all. Because the, what the gospel says is, have you looked at a woman with lust? You're an adulterer. Mm-hmm. If you have hatred for your brother for no cause, you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. So if you've lied, which everybody has, if mm-hmm. you've stolen, which most people have stolen something, whether it be a chocolate bar from or, your mom's purse or, or a pencil at school, a pencil at school, you're a, so you're a liar, you're a thief, you're an adulterer at heart. You're all of these things. When you go to court, the judge is going to say, here's all of the stuff that you've done wrong. This is it. And you're going to say, well, I was a good person. And he's going to say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for us. Mm-hmm. But Jesus paid the price. So you're good if you actually believe the gospel and follow Jesus. But that doesn't mean, I guess what I'm trying to say, with the, the reason why the churches aren't helping people and their false prosperity gospel and all this stuff is because they're not telling you what I just said. Like, yeah, you can go to church, you can do this, that, and the other, but if, you, in your, if your heart posture is wrong, mm-hmm. he's going to say, I never knew you. Exactly. And I I think that's part of the issue because when I was talking to my sister and the church that she's been going to, the first thing that comes up on their website is there's no condemnation here. And I'm like, well, let's, what do you mean by that? You know, like if you're not talking, not necessarily needing into condemnation, but you, you do need to talk about the things that you're doing that are sinful. You do need to talk about that. You need to be like, you're talking about like have a heart of repentance and be called to repent and, 
if you're bringing people in just saying that, you know, come as you are, you're welcome here and we're not going to judge you or anything. No one's saying you have to judge anyone, but you do have to talk to people and make sure they know the truth of what the Bible says and what Jesus taught and what God commands. And if they are behaving in a way that is contradictory to that, you have to not necessarily condemn them, but you need to make it abundantly clear that that is not acceptable. That's correct. Because you have to confess your sins. Even if you don't confess your sins to men, you need to confess your sins before God. Mm -hmm. And he is faithful in that his grace is sufficient Mm -hmm. to cover you in a multitude of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're, if you are going to a church that is just saying, come as you are, which is fine. Come as you are, come dirty. We want you Mm -hmm. to come as you are. You're a dirty, sinful human being, Mm -hmm. but you need to admit that and live in a way that glorifies God and a repentant life from your dirtiness Mm -hmm. and let God clean you up. But these churches today are just saying, come as you are, Mm -hmm. come dirty, stay dirty. Mm -hmm. We're not going to tell you otherwise. You're not going to be in a situation where your pastor is teaching you the things that we're talking about, mm-hmm. if you're at a church with a gay pride flag, because they say gay is love is love, everything's cool, we're fine here. Mm-hmm. And then like the prosperity gospel, and I'm going to name drop, I don't care, but Joel Olstein mm-hmm. says all these great, wonderful, true things about the Bible, like you are blessed, blah, 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 but they never get into... You're not going to walk in God's blessings if you're living in sin. Nobody is talking about the sinful nature of man. I think everyone goes for Joel Steen because he's like the big, you know, 700 club, like early in the morning. He was on, you know, like everybody. That's like a household name Mm -hmm. and not in a good way. That's a controversial name. Poor thing. Um But it's also like these new mainstream people like Stephen Furtick and you have Hillsong and obviously like now there's that documentary on Hulu and I haven't finished it yet, but you have that guy, I I forget his name, but he, you know, he was involved with like all the celebrities and stuff like that. And I feel like that's where there's, there's two things happening here. There's the old traditional church which is very legalistic. It's very much um, how do you, the institution of religion, as mm-hmm. you say. And then you also have this new age, prosperity, light, Christian church, which is what's drawing a lot of people in. But you have them saying, come as you are stay dirty, stay sinful. We're just going to rock it out together because Jesus loves you anyway. God loves you anyway. And then you have this, the other church that was very wanting to be in the world, not of the world. And they didn't want to associate with strippers or homosexuals or drug addicts or prisoners because they didn't want to get into it, honestly. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like they wanted to just, you know, keep themselves clean, keep themselves in this community, keep themselves in their box, and not actually do what the Bible was commanding them to do. It, it's very trendy, I would say, in a lot of 
old, older, quote unquote, dying churches to have a prison ministry. But do you ever see any of the um, ex-cons when they come out of prison be invited to the church? I never did. No, not in those type of legalistic churches Mm -mm. you're talking about. And it's wild because if you look at those churches, their memberships are just old men preaching the same stuff, Mm -hmm. this dry, watered down, maybe not even watered down, but just this, I guess it is watered down, this dry gospel that doesn't actually produce fruit. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the new people, like you're saying, Joel Olstein, Stephen Furtick, they have this massive ministry but it's like, come one, come all, stay dirty. I'm going to give you this nice message and it's going to empower you, which is needed. People need to be empowered, but they also need to be told about themselves and told about the real Jesus and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Then what's even more interesting is if you look at the crowd that's actually doing stuff, like Marcus Rogers, Mm -hmm. Brian Trejo, Isaiah Salvador, Vlad Savchuk, all of these guys are true followers of Jesus and teach what he taught and they are being blessed in ways that are crazy. And if you look at them, they've got tattoos. Brian Trejo was in the gang world. His brother was shot. Marcus Rogers come from a bad past Had a million terrible things happened to him and look at his ministry. All these guys are doing great things for the kingdom and being blessed through it, but they don't look like the Christians that you see and people write them off because, oh, God can't use you. You got tattoos. You've been divorced, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the way God is working. And that's the problem I see in the church as well because they invite all these people in, don't teach them repentance, don't teach them anything, mm-hmm. and then you just have a lukewarm, gummy bear Christianity. And it's just shaking my head at it. And that's when you get into where in Matthew where it's like they'll, they'll be crying out, Lord, Lord. But he'll, be like, he'll turn away and say, like, I never knew you mm-hmm. because they don't actually know him. They don't actually have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you're not having an intimate relationship with the Lord himself. And th- he, then you really don't know him. You're being taught, oh, I need to go to church because it makes me better. And I need to go to church and I know that there's a God and I know that there's a higher power. But if you're not actively seeking and actually learning and actually reading your Bible and reading his word and like seeing what's in there, you don't actually know him. And it's, it's, that's the part that like gets me frustrated. And we talk about this all the time because there's these churches, especially like a Stephen Furtick. And I understand a lot of people have their mixed feelings about him and some of his sermons are good, but the fact that you're okay with just having people come and you might quote one or two verses of the Bible, but you don't actually talk to them. You're not really encouraging them to really get in there and learn. And you're, you're just leading them astray. Like you're just telling them, Oh yes, you need to pray to God. Oh yes. You need to, you know, come to the Lord, but you're, you're not actually telling them the truth about everything. You're not encouraging that relationship. You're not trying to nurture that relationship. It's just a, it's really just kind of like a party. And we were talking about this the other day. Like you, you see the evolution with a lot of these 
pastors because they'll start out very humble and in a small setting. And as they continue to grow and they expand and they do quote unquote tours and they start bringing in more people and they gain a following, you start to see how they dress change and they start being very flashy or spending a lot of money and all these things. And then when you think about how people used to get upset about the church just wanting to take all your money with tithing because they don't actually explain what tithing is, what it's for, why, why we do it, why you're called to do it. And then if you see these people being real flashy, it, it makes you wonder what are they doing with that money? Mm-hmm. And it's when you see that you can't reconcile it. And then you're really just turning people away. You're either learning, you're leading people astray having a false understanding and a, I don't want to say a questionable relationship with the Lord, but honestly they might not have a relationship with the Lord, but they think that they do. Yeah. They got a relationship watching the pastor, not the. Yes. And that's just so wrong in so many ways. That's like intentional intentionally misleading and leading people to hell. And that is a problem. Yeah, absolutely. As Christians, we're called to be warriors and we fight not with, you know, material weapons. We're not, we don't fight in the flesh. We fight in the spirit. And what what I have here, Mark chapter 16, verse 17 lays it out. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So with that being said, this is what, these are the signs that follow believers. So if these churches, this is wholeheartedly what I believe. If these churches that are preaching prosperity gospel and empowering motivational talks, that's all they are is motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. And they're not casting out devils. They're not laying hands on the sick. They're not doing the things that Jesus called them to do. He said, greater works than these shall you do. These are the red letters, mm-hmm. what Jesus said. They're not training up warriors. Mm-hmm. The church we went to just up the road for months, we were just you know, trying to find a good church in our area. Good people, obviously, but the, they're good. not. <laughs> yeah, good in the worldly <laughs> sense. They, uh, they're not training people up to be warriors in the spirit. They're not training people to discern between good and evil. They're not training people to fight the battle that we're up against. You see the world every day encroaching on the church, and the church is becoming more and more like the world, and nobody's putting on the armor of God. No one's picking up their shield and their buckler and doing any type of work to advance the kingdom and overcome the darkness. Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But we see every day that hell is trying to prevail against it. And these churches are letting it happen. Because they want to be, they want to act like that's not going to happen to them. And I feel like that's part of the problem because a lot of these churches don't actually know what the Bible says. That's the problem. Like one of the big things when I was fresh out of college and looking for a church because I didn't feel like the church I grew up in was where I was being called to be at the time. I started seeing like some of these mega churches and um, 
different churches that were like had different campuses and none of them had Bibles in them. And when I would start just looking at different churches, not even that one Northway church that was that's a big one in our area, any of the other quote unquote competitors or other like modern churches, they don't have Bibles in the church. And if they don't have a Bible in the church, you usually should just walk right out. Because if there isn't something tangible there for you to pick up, even like while you're waiting for the service to start, or if you have someone that's coming off the street and is just looking for something and God is leading them to him and they walk into the church because church buildings used to be open and they used to be somewhere where you could go and feel safe. So many people have testimonies where they would just pick up a Bible there and start reading. My first Bible I ever got, my Sunday school teacher gave me and it just happened to be in the church and it was just readily available for me to honestly, they just gave it to me and they let me take it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like a lot of these churches don't have Bibles in them and a lot and it it clearly shows why a lot of people that go to church don't actually know what the Bible says because they're only getting what the pastor gives them for that 15 minutes that he or she if, if you go to a church that's female you should probably run too but um what they are saying yeah, it's interesting, too, because you'll hear him say, like, pull out your Bible or your mobile device or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if a person is only using the mobile device, this is my thought. I don't know if this is actually true or not, but I would think that they pull up the, you know, three or four scriptures that the pastor has. And that's all they're ever going to see mm-hmm. of what the Bible says is those couple of scriptures every week and that they look at on their phone. And the problem is I feel like the media and the government and, and the devil are, are preying on that. It's, it's almost as if we're falling subject to their plan. Because when you think about that, they're talking about how AI now, they're trying to get AI to rewrite the Bible because everyone uses a Bible that's on their phone. So think about it. If there's no physical Bibles, nobody has a physical Bible anymore. All they're using is their phones, and that's what they're depending on. If someone goes on Google and tries to Google Matthew 1, 13 through 15, there's a real good chance now with what they're trying to do that they are going to get a different version, a wrong manufactured version of what those verses say. Well, that's interesting you bring that up because in the, I don't know if it was like the 1500s or the 1600s, somewhere around there, the Catholic church was like the people that were in charge of, you know, they were the priests that you would go to to hear about God. They burned all the Bibles. It was like illegal for you to even have a Bible. People were prosecute, persecuted and killed because they were translating the Bible so the everyday man could have one and read one. So it's like the same thing repeating, but in the obviously in the technological age where now we have our Bibles and we keep them and read them. And I guess, I mean, theoretically, you should be memorizing it so it's in your spirit at all times and you have it for the those days when that type of things happen the uh, chinese people right now to this day right now today are being persecuted and have underground churches and they don't even have bibles 
they had to memorize the scriptures mm-hmm. that they could get when they had access to a Bible at some certain point in time. Exactly, because the church that I grew up in, they have a Chinese ministry, and um, a couple of the families that came here for seminary to learn to all that kind of stuff, when they went back, something must have happened, whether they were getting into their emails or what have you. And I, I won't use names here, obviously, because of what happened and for their safety. Like the one guy, he was, we ended up getting an email saying he was beaten mm-hmm. because they knew that he was a pastor at an underground church. And he, his wife worked for the government, which made it even harder because then she was also in danger too. And I'm, I'm almost positive she was beaten as well. Because they went to America to learn the gospel so they could teach it to the people in China. And the thing is, what I think a lot of people don't even think about is that in America, and this is one of the issues that I do have, is we act like, and I think the media has a lot to do with this, and I think the government had a lot to do with this, I think they did this on purpose, but they act like it's just a Western religion that's nowhere else in the world and that we need to take it elsewhere and spread it across the world because nobody else has heard the gospel when in actuality there's people all over the world that know the lord and by i guess by true definitions are followers of christ and are spreading the gospel and they are being persecuted every single day but we want to act like it's it's up to us to spread the gospel to the rest of the world when in actuality we don't even realize how bad it actually is for those elsewhere. Well, yeah, that's what's interesting too is that we're going to go back to what you just said, but to, I guess to piggyback on that a little bit, um, we have people all over the world being killed for their faith, being killed for having Bibles, beaten, what have you. But here in America, we have full access to the Bible, and we don't even read it. Mm-hmm. We go to churches like we've been talking about where we would preach prosperity and motivational speeches, and nobody even picks up the word and re- reads it for themselves. Because if you did, you would know that where you're at is not giving you meat anymore. You're still drinking milk. You're drinking milk there. You're not practicing deliverance. You can't counsel out a demon. All these churches want to... Oh, you've got a problem in your spirit or in your mind. Let's get you counseling and get you help. And there's nothing wrong with therapy. There's nothing wrong with counsel. But at some point, you got to cast out the demon that's inside of them. You're just itching to cast the demon. I'm just itching to cast the demon. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> but, so there's that. And then to go back to what you said. Now we are called, you know, to share and preach the gospel yes. throughout all the lands. Exactly. That's 100 percent fact. But like you said, everybody thinks that oh, it's Amer- our Christianity is just a white man's religion or the mm-hmm. American religion or blah, blah, blah. But it's all over the world. Yep. And I think it's part of the problem is that they, I feel like they did that because ultimately they were looking to demonize white people. And they wanted to demonize white people because if we really look at it, America was founded by white, Protestant, and Catholic men. Men who... We, obviously, we weren't there, but from what we have learned and what we can glean from the Constitution, from the Declaration of Independence, from a lot of the different documents that were written at that time, 
that truly had a relationship with the Lord. And when you have men like that, that founded this country, and they're instilling those same values in their sons, and in those sons and their sons, and it just keeps going and it keeps spreading, you, it'd be really difficult to destroy a country that's built like that. And if they can demonize white men, which that's who's really being demonized, it's not, it's not white women, it's white men, and make them the enemy and make people not listen to them and make them weak and make them think that they're women and all these different things. And they can equate that with the white man's religion of Christianity. Then people want to turn away from it. Cause they're just like, Oh, you're just a, uh, like what, what's her face was saying when I told her that I started dating you. She was, I told her, I was like, he's like, yes, he's white. And he's a truck driver and he loves Jesus. And she immediately just had so many issues with that. Had stirred up the demons in her. 1,000%. And then she's like, oh, he probably voted for Trump. And I'm like, so what if he did? Mm -hmm. I mean, he did twice. (laughs) But but what if he, like, why was that such an issue? But you, you, like, I saw it change in her whole being. You saw her manifest. Like, it... Lucas, it was the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was in her, it was her whole demeanor, her face changed. Like, it's not like her face changed. Like, obviously she still looked like herself, but sh- her, I've never seen anything like it. Just for me saying that you're a truck driver that loves Jesus. <laughs> you know, if you go walk around the, I think anywhere in America, and you talk about your love for Jesus, you'll see the same change in everybody. Yes. Yeah. It's it's the craziest thing. But what I will say is that when it comes down to it, and if people have to choose, they usually will ch- will trust a Christian over a lot of other people because they're supposed to have a a greater moral compass. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're not gonna trust the drug dealer down the street, they're going to, if they see a, if it's a drug dealer or a pastor, they're going to pick a pastor. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, but what I was trying to get to is that by demonizing white Christian men, which have been some of the most revolutionary and instrumental in the foundation of the great country that we live in, if you can demonize them, it's going to be very hard for a country to remain steadfast and not crumble, which is why we're having all these issues with the transgender stuff, which is why we're having all these issues with women thinking having abortions means bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's, this is why we're having issues with women and men being at odds and women thinking that men are evil. That's the spirit of Jezebel. It, it's the craziest thing, but by doing that, and the media and the government did a great job of it, mm-hmm. that also made people hate Christianity. Because they're just like these white Christian men, like they're putting women down and they're misogynists and they don't actually know it. Like I'm better than them. Like I'm just as good as them, blah, blah, blah. And it just makes people want nothing to do with Christianity. Mm-hmm. 
What's crazy too, because the Bible and being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are going to elevate women to the rightful position. Mm-hmm. You're not putting them down. Mm-hmm. You guys, m- me and you, we're not necessarily equal, mm-hmm. but equal under that we're both humans. Mm-hmm. We both have the same rights. We both have different responsibilities, different characteristics mm-hmm. that are beautiful. Yeah. And they make us who we are, feminine and masculine. Mm-hmm. Women have their position, which is a special and honored, great position. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why people think that the biblical view of what a woman is and who she is, is like detrimental to the health and well-being of a woman when in fact it would make a woman 10 times better than any woman in the world any woman that has the holy spirit is 50 to 75 times better than any of these women walking around with their titties out in the world blame the government blame feminists you know what i wanted to talk about that too when we can just get into it a little bit right now but it almost seems like there's two problems, or not, there's a million problems, two reasons why. Fathers out of the home, which we harp on all the time, mm-hmm. and women. Mm-hmm. Women have destroyed this country. I'm telling you. And I know you know it, and you know you, you, you feel me. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Mm-hmm. Feminism, empowering women to vote. They all vote for what? Murder. Mm-hmm. Trans rights. All of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same rights already. And the thing is, that's why because they're they're delusional. Go ahead. No, you carry on. Because the thing the thing is, is because they were misled, and it's showing why the family unit, quote unquote nuclear, but the family unit, a man and a woman, why that's necessary? Because women are emotional. Okay. I would say I'm more. I'm I'm less emotionally driven and more logically driven, but that's not common. And you even see when my emotions get in the middle of it, that's not good for anybody. That's terrible. It's it, the worst situation a man could ever be in. It's better to live on the corner of a rooftop than to live with a quarrelsome wife. I'm not a quarrelsome wife, okay? <laughs> like, I get it. But, I mean, sometimes. But that's the thing, like that separation was the problem. Once you put them at odds, everything's downhill. And women were deceived because the government's telling them that, hey, you should have the right to vote. Why is your husband only the one that has the right to vote? And they're getting into, you can work. You don't have to stay at home with the kids. Why is it that you have to stay at home with the kids? There's there's certain things that are innate that and, and instinctual that women have when it comes to rearing children. Mm-hmm. And when they put women in this category because they needed a voting block, and we talked about this in another episode, but it they needed to create some sort of concept or construct to make women feel like their husbands or men saw them as less than and that there was something that was being kept from them that they deserved. But there was nothing being kept from them. And I think to some point we could blame men that abused their wives and did not treat them the way that the Bible says that they're supposed to. For sure. 
because those few instances, just like when they say, well, what about the life of the mother? That's why we need to have abortion for everybody. It's those few instances where men were just truly berating, beating down their wives, treating them with such disrespect where they elevated that and they they made it seem like it was a very common thing so then women really started to feel like they were missing out and they were under the thumb of their husbands and they were being seen as less than when when they're not if if the family structure was set up the way that it should be with Christ at the center there would not there wouldn't be any of that and women wouldn't have been deceived a lot of men, when they would start seeing their wives, when when you read about in history, when they see their wives like going to these feminist conventions or trying to learn these things, a lot of men got really angry mm-hmm. and tried to just forbade them from going instead of using logic and reason, which is supposed to be a strength of men, mm-hmm. to have, to be able to discern and talk to their wives and have an open discussion about what's being taught there. And why it could be destructive to them. Do you even just say like, honey, what are you talking about? We vote together. We talk about it. Mm-hmm. We align with who we think makes the most sense and aligns with our values. And then I just go cast the ballot. Yeah. But it's both of us. I'm just the representative in this case of the family. And that should not be a bad thing. Yeah, it seems like, like, I don't want to just sit up here and say, oh, women shouldn't be able to vote. I mean, mm-hmm. it does seem like that would help a lot. But because I mean, um, it, it seems to me that if men were following Christ and living a righteous life to their best ability, they would lead their women in a way that leads both of them to come to the same conclusion, like you said, and we vote together as a unit but the problem is once you so so that's women can vote Mm -hmm. led by a godly man both of them led by the holy spirit everything would be cool Mm -hmm. the problem is once you get into now women can vote but they don't have a man they Mm -hmm. don't have the holy spirit they're voting out of their emotions and whatever jezebel spirit is god in their life and that's where you run into a billion different problems. But it's the same with men. It's it. Voting is obviously a world, a worldly system. Mm-hmm. It's of the world. It's what politics, democracy demands, right? Mm-hmm. So you're never going to get to a point, I guess, where not everybody's going to be led by the Holy Spirit for whatever reason or another. They're not. So I'm trying to think of like a cure for our ailments. But I don't know that it's Jesus, obviously, Mm -hmm. but the world hates Jesus. So where do we go from there? I think part of the problem is that there was a lot of, if we go back in like history and the men that just weren't having it and they weren't there for their wives and treating them with respect and stuff like that. A lot of them were in those churches where they went to church because they were supposed to and Mm -hmm. because their parents said that they should and didn't actually have a relationship with the Lord, and then they just started, you know, doing whatever they wanted and giving into their urges and having mistresses and all these different mm-hmm. things. And I, I really think it comes down to that, like, women get, women fall when they don't have 
their rightful partner, which is a strong Christian man. And men fail when they don't have a relationship with the Lord. Yes. And that's why we're seeing all the issues that, that we do. And that's why we're in a situation where women are just constantly voting with emotion and not with their head. Like they always talk about the head and the heart and like they're very, they're very different things, but they're tied together. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like, um, like it's like when you think about lust, like emotionally you're like, Oh, I just, you know, I want to jump on him. He's so hot, blah, blah, blah. But in your head, you're just like, there's, that's not a good idea. He's married or he, oh, you know that he's, he's no good. He's an F boy and he's, he's not great for me, blah, blah, blah. But then your body's just like, oh no, like I, you know, like it, it's going to feel great. But then your head's just like, no, in the moment you're saying it's going to feel great, but you're, you're going to feel like crap the next day. He's not going to call you. He's not going to be there. You're drunk, blah, blah, blah. And that's when you start, that's when you have that culture of, girls in high school and college like they're getting hammered and then they're giving into that because now their mind is is blurred Mm -hmm. and it's disabled and then when they wake up the next day that's when they're so upset and that's when we started getting into a lot of you know like rape culture Mm -hmm. where they're just like oh no i was right because they were they felt bad and that's an and that's an emotion Mm -hmm. yep which I'm not saying people were not raped. I'm not saying that women weren't raped or they weren't taken advantage of. I also know one of my friends who's a guy who was raped by his former wife before they were married. Um, like, I'm not saying that that's not a real thing that happens, but there's, but I mean, we all talk about it. There's a difference between, being raped or being upset by the decisions that you made and the consequences that came from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to what you said, like the strong church Mm -hmm. creates or I guess facilitates helps to produce strong men. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to a weak gummy bear church, Mm -hmm. you're going to be a weak gummy bear man. Mm -hmm. You're going to lead a weak gummy bear woman Who's going to vote for Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. And then that's the. This is the whole issue that we're talking about with American Christianity is that it weakness produces weakness, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to weak gummy bear motivational churches, you're going to reap what you sow. You can't have. Mm-hmm. You can't have it both ways. I guess I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but mm-hmm. I just. It's like. We have all these issues now mm-hmm. that obviously, I mean, God's got a plan and purpose. He'll use everything. He uses all things work for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. People forget that called according to his purpose part. See, that's the thing. People take it as if God's just going to give them whatever they want. But mm-hmm. it's if that's not part of your story, that is part of the purpose that he has for you. Like it's, it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. which obviously, you know what I'm alluding to. And we'll talk about on another episode with the IVF stuff. Oh yeah. So I just, I see that, that all the problems we have are stemming from the church soft failed. churches. The church has failed. The church failed. And because churches were, became polarizing because they were weak 
and they started getting into the just you know going to church on Sundays Mm -hmm. they would preach as if everyone knew what the Bible said and kids would just go and a lot of times they started taking kids out of the sermons and they'd go have like their mini sessions Mm and that I think was a big miss because then the kids aren't hearing it. They're not actually learning like, okay, I need to be able to sit in a, in a sermon and actually take in the teachings. Some of them are just in the nursery playing games well, and all that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the end of the world, but I think that was a miss. And these churches were just very judgmental. And they weren't, like we were saying earlier, they weren't getting into really evangelizing and being open and helping the poor and helping the destitute and trying to be there for people that had addictions and or were criminals and people that desperately need the Lord. They weren't there for them. And that's that's not something that anyone wants to be mm-hmm. a part of because that is not loving. So when the church is actively demonstrating the opposite of love in, in society, we see that as, as hate, which I would not necessarily say hate is the office, opposite of love necessarily by definitions currently but when they see that you wouldn't want anything to deal with it do with it and when we got into like the two or like the 90s and the early 2000s the church was just so off to themselves because they're like we want to be in the world not of the world and not getting involved in politics or being aware not having any um, activity in their communities like they're really just staying to themselves that's how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. That's how kids started not wanting to be in their church. They're being attacked by all these different areas in the world of the world. And that's how you, you start getting a lot of that mixed messaging and being attacked with all the sexual stuff and the perversion. And that's, that's why there there's a problem now. Once the church the church didn't understand what they were tasked to do. It's almost like they missed what God outlined for the church to do in the New Testament and it's almost as if the church missed what God outlined for Adam and Eve, so the husband and the wife to do from the very beginning, which you're supposed to have dominion over the world, but you're all supposed to take care of it. Yes. That's what I don't like when we go to a church or try a new church or try to try to find anything out here mm-hmm. is that, like you said, like, where are the soup kitchens? Where are the churches going out and evangelizing to the drug addicts or the homeless or the prostitute or anybody that needs to hear the gospel? I don't understand why the church is always kept indoors for your little 25-minute sermon and 30 minutes of worship and 15 minutes of shaking your neighbor's hand. Like, how is that church? This is a, that's what, I mean, this is what the whole conversation, I guess, boils down to is this American, just churchianity. Mm -hmm. We go to church, we hear a short little sweet sermon, and then we go on about our lives. And I know for a fact, there are plenty of Christians that go to these churches who are going out by themselves Mm -hmm. and doing stuff, right? Giving to the poor, 
evangelize and helping people because there's God's got his people everywhere with the salt of the earth. There's true believers in every church doing the real work. But the problem is the pastor isn't doing the real work. It should be an entire congregational effort, like I would say a couple times a month mm -hmm. to where they actually leave the building and like the one pastor always says at the end of the sermon, go and be the church. Mm -hmm. Well, why aren't we being the church right now? See, we got to leave to go be the church. Why can't we be the church while we're all together and go help our neighbors and our community and everything around us? See, that's the thing. That's what just it never... And like the fact that you're making it a tagline. Yeah. Dude, it's not a tagline. That is a command. <laughs> like, we, we're the church. We're supposed to be doing these things together and apart, but mostly together. Like it, it, well, you know how I feel. Well, so. and, and here's the problem with it too, is that even, I feel like there are like Marcus Rogers church. I know I always harp about him. He's great. Great. We dude. should probably go see that. Yeah. But he does all this stuff that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I know Vlad Savchuk does. I know Isaiah does all of these guys. Great men of God are actually doing what the Bible says to do. But every church we go and visit or every one you pull up on YouTube is just a bunch of nonsense and heresy, I guess. I don't know if I'd call it that, but you know what I'm getting at. Yes. And you know what's interesting? I just pulled this up. This says, I typed in on Google, how many people identify as Christians in America? It says, Christianity is the most prevalent religion in the United mm -hmm. States. Estimates from 2021 suggest of the entire U.S. population, which is 332 million, about 63% is Christian. 210 million people. Does this country seem like a country where 210 million Christians live? Because that's what I'm saying. And for a long time, that number was higher. Yeah, it's, it has gone down. And I would say part of the issue, and this is something I wanted to touch on earlier, and I know we're, we're actually coming down on time now, but so we'll have to talk about this at a different point. It's hard for people to take Christianity seriously when there's so many different denominations and all these denominations talk about why they're better or they have a better theology than this other denomination. And it's there. It's there's so much segregation within Christianity. It is the craziest thing. It's like you want to be Presbyterian or or you want to be Methodist. But I mean, you don't want to be labeled charismatic that's like i do <laughs> right like charismatic is all the things that jesus was saying yeah, you're going to be doing literally doing the work of jesus and you're like the enemy of the church because of it yes it blows well my he mind. was the enemy of the church too mm -hmm. like it's literally just all happening all over yeah. again the pharisees and they all yelling at they, they told jesus he cast out demons by, by the power of demons by mm -hmm. beelzebub stupid what? like does that make sense to you <laughs> like it just it, it it blows my mind but then i think part of the problem with that too and that's what we're probably have to get into when we get into like an episode of like really talking about the spiritual side of things and the spiritual world and casting out demons and stuff like that but the problem is that they built this belief system as if casting out demons speaking in tongues healing the sick all those things were not something or they phrase it as charismatic so then all these people out there started acting like oh i'm casting out demons and i'm healing this person and so much of it was 
performative and so much of it was false it makes you wonder what you're seeing and you couldn't take it seriously yeah like them churches where they're like hit somebody on the head and they go falling down and get slain in the spirit or whatever now i don't know if that's totally legit or not now i have a friend that went to a church for his whole life his grandparents went to that church his grandma even cast out a demon so you know who knows but they would do that at that church and call it being slain in the spirit he said it was legit i don't know so but here hear me out again there's other pastors that do that, and it, uh, people have called it out and found that, it, that whatever they were doing was through kundalini spirit, witchcraft type of deal. So you got to be weary with that's why you need to read your words so you can get, discern good from evil. And I, and I, I feel like some of those churches that were doing that, it's almost as if they're leaning into what you just called out in the Bible and they're saying, Oh, he was casting out the demons and then of like Beelzebub or whatever. Like re say that something like that. The, the Pharisees told Jesus that he was casting out demons through the power of Beelzebub, but Satan can't cast out Satan. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost as if, I mean, I guess I don't really know like a way to say it the right way. It's almost as if people think that they're, are acting like they're casting out demons, but they're actually doing witchcraft. Could be, yeah. And maybe what the Pharisees were, th- what the Pharisees were thinking is that, like, they maybe they saw people doing stuff like that, casting spells and doing stuff like that. So they just automatically equated what Jesus was doing to that same thing. Yeah. But, well, Jesus is son of God. He ain't, I, he's not doing that. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> what the Pharisees probably this is I the way I'm thinking is they saw him casting out demons, and because they did not have the authority or power in the name of Jesus to do it, they automatically thought, this is witchcraft. We can't do this. The demons possessed come to us, and we just sprinkle holy water and run some frankincense over them, and nothing happens. But he's actually casting them out by just saying, come out of him? I mean, if anything, we could probably think about the fact that, like, I mean, churches today would be the Pharisees of past. Yeah, 100%. that's probably why they have all these issues with a lot of these new pastors that are actually casting out demons. Yeah. Like Marcus Rogers and stuff like that, and Subcheck and all of them, because they're actually able to do it. And they're like, well, if I'm not able to, I'm, you know, I'm doing counseling and I'm meeting with all these people. And, you know, like, why, why? They are doing stuff in the name of Beelzebub. Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what they think, I believe, too. It, it seems because they're not walking in the authority that Jesus told them to walk into. Why? How could you be walking in the authority when you're up there preaching a 15 sermon about new cars and Bentleys? And the thing is, a lot of these people, they had no issue with the revival, though. Like no. once once they called it a revival, that was it. it Everyone's like, "Oh, this is real. Something's moving there. Like it's a real. The spirit's in there." I'm like, "But what spirit? Yeah, what, what spirit? spirit are you seeing? Mm-hmm. Like that's a whole episode in itself. I'm still so frustrated that so many churches just fell for it mm-hmm. when it was." When it was blatant in your face, being led by everything that God tells you is not from him. Mm -hmm. 
And all these churches still were like, yes, this is real. This is from the Lord. This is of Christ. No, it sounds like it was from the spirit of the Antichrist. And this campus has been doing revivals for decades. Yeah, I got a question for you. I just seen um, a sign the other day. I was making a delivery in Ohio, and the sign said uh, some sort of Baptist church. Um, but the sign said, like, August 20th to whatever, old-fashioned tent revival. I see you shaking your head already. What do you can, – can you just pop up a tent and say it's a revival? No. <laughs> a revival. Like I guess by definition, a revival is something where where people who were dead in their sins or yeah. lukewarm or not filled with the Holy Spirit yes. be, begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be revived. That's what I would. Yes, think. and it's it's and then so many people are overtaken. It's almost like it spreads, and yeah. then people get into just constant worship and they're praying to the Lord and they're repenting of their sins and i think truly like historically people were having demons cast yeah out every of them time in that moment yeah but it was it was people coming to have those things cast out because they knew that they needed it casted out so when this by Bi- when this baptist church is saying we're going to have an old-fashioned tent revival they're like they're just taking the church from the building into the tent in the backyard that's yeah and i'm saying come on if you think you got a demon let's cast it out like but they're probably not though but that's the thing they're not yeah that's the thing like they're just like oh but people now they think that a revival is just oh we come and we worship for days on end and get media attention and then that makes it a revival or like when they're like oh we have a scheduled revival where we're gonna pray and worship for hours and hours and hours and it's gonna be great blah 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 i'm sorry but when you're when you're at a revival and someone just starts, you know, they start throwing money at this guy because, you know, he he needs a new car. Like, So how do you get to a revival? This is my thought. Like if you were, say you did, like we were just talking about, you did go out with your church, the congregation, and were feeding the homeless, ministering to the addicts, and helping the community, and seeing people delivered and set free, and then more people see this, witness it with their own eyes and join in that's a revival yes that's what i would think not putting a tent behind the church and saying come on everybody we doing revival exactly exactly i feel like a revival is when the holy spirit's moving in a way that the own like i'm just trying to think this out like you can't make the holy spirit do anything obviously Mm -hmm. he's going to do what he does yeah but you could facilitate the moving of the Holy Spirit by going and doing what the Bible says to do. That's the thing. It's it's doing what God is commanding you to do. Yeah, is what a revival is. So that's why. And a lot of what I think, like the term revival, is a fallacy. I honestly think that. I feel like it's a construct that the American church came up with and because when they would see things like people coming to the Lord and being filled with the Holy Spirit and you know people being like revived in the Lord and coming to and like all that all the things that should just happen by being the church being in the community spreading the gospel this thing that's going that's the 
that's the fruits of your labor. Those that's the results mm-hmm. of you doing what God commanded. Why are you giving it a title? It is doing the Lord's work. Well, that's why Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Because he already knew this is what we do. At, mm-hmm. This is what the Pharisees do. This is what we do at church. Is we don't we don't do the labor. But mm-hmm. there's plenty of harvest out here to be reaped. Mm-hmm. Plenty of people that need to hear the gospel. Plenty of people that will repent and will be filled with the Holy Spirit. But people most of the time aren't going to a church when they need it. But if the church goes to them, they'll receive it mm-hmm. type of deal. Yeah. Sound like a dang prophet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and that's the thing, like, because I think they're saying for a while, like in the in the two, early 2000s, the church was talking about like its own revival, like revival of reviving the church, having the church like, you know, get themselves together, being more church like and all this stuff and they were so focused on themselves. They forgot about the rest of the world. Like it, it's not about you. No, that's a, that is my biggest <laughs> issue. The church is so self consumed. Yeah. It's all about me, me, me. It's all about God them and their sal- uh, salvation and getting into, into heaven and what's going to be good for the newsflash. You get to heaven by understanding that Jesus is your savior. He died on the cross to save you from yourself. <laughs> no one goes to the father except through him. And he tells you to go out. He's going to make you fishers of men. Why are you sitting in your pew? Like, why are you so focused on yourself? It blows my mind. Like it's there. It's directly contradicting what, what we're called to do. And that's how, you know, they don't know what the Bible says or they don't actually believe it. And that's a problem. I'm speechless. You should be a preacher. That was real good. I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just, oh, man. Dang, woman. Why are you sitting there? Why? This is how I get when I talk about Meghan Markle. Oh, we're not getting on that subject. We're going to leave that one alone, my friends. No, thank you. But you're absolutely right. And that's like, you make all this time for everything else. Nobody making mm-hmm. time for the Lord. The church isn't moving for the Lord. It's like even the pastors act like they're doing this uh, for the Lord and for, <laughs> but like, they're not. They're like doing it for them. Where that guy is like floating and there's lights and stuff like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> the pastor's like putting on a light show and he's yeah. flying. Like, what is, is that happening? for Jesus? I don't think it is. Sometimes, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but sometimes I'm like, I just need to start my own church where we actually go out into the world and do stuff for the Lord. I mean, honestly, I, I think you should. You think I should? I do. Because he, here's the thing. <laughs> and we've talked about this and, and we kept saying this was going to be like, you know, like a, a regular length episode and it just never happened. But like. People had an, have an issue with American churches because they can't relate. Mm-hmm. American churches act like they are better than others. Mm-hmm. They act like they don't fornicate. They don't 
get drunk. They don't have addictions. They don't have struggles. They act like they are without sin, even though they are just as sinful. None of us are good. And when they act like that, people that have addictions or have overcome addictions or struggle with pornography or struggle with promiscuity or struggle with any of these things and temptations that are in the world, they feel like they can't relate and they feel like they won't be accepted and accepted in the term of they will be welcomed, loved for who they are and have someone pour into them the love of Christ. And when you feel like the people that are supposed to be the ones that are the most loving and the most accepting won't accept you, and those are the representation of Christ, you would not want anything to do with him. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I'm like, the church failed and continues to fail. And when you get people, like when you have a church of people that truly I do feel like know the Lord in some capacity, like they're missing, they're missing the mark, but they know him in some capacity are failing so bad. It opens the door for the Stephen Furtick's to then start being false teachers and leading people astray to that gummy bear Christianity just because, you know, they're finally feeling accepted. Mm -hmm. People don't want to feel cast out. People don't want to feel inadequate. People don't want to feel like someone's not going to accept them. And now I feel emotional. Like women, we, (laughs) we, we just did such a bad job. And I feel like that's why this, episode was so important to do and to do well because we need to acknowledge the fact that the church failed and the church continues to fail yeah and i i don't completely know how to reach people in the church to get them to understand that because it reminds me of when we i was in the sorority and this girl, she, you know, made a mistake. She was dating one of our friends who's a guy and um, she cheated on him and it became this big deal. Now, this guy was in a fraternity. He deactivated from that fraternity and two girls in my sorority were dating people in that same fraternity. And so because he deactivated, they were like, you can't talk to him. You can't talk to him. He's cast out. He's basically a leper. Like, Lost all of his friends. But this girl, that's who she cheated on. And she wanted to join the sorority. She and the guy that she cheated on, they came to a good place. He forgave her for what she did. They were friends, but obviously they weren't together anymore. These girls rushed her, allowed her to rush made her think she was going to get a bid, made her think that she was being accepted and not being held to this scarlet letter with this mark. And we get in there to vote to give her a bid, and they just blackballed her. 
So then when it came time for bids to go out, this girl thinks she's getting a bid. Mm-hmm. And when we're sitting in there and I'm talking to them and I'm like, what you're doing is wrong. And I was like, this is not Christ-like. This is not what he taught us to do. What we did to her is not loving and it is not right. And all they kept saying is voting on girls to give them a bid isn't Christ-like either. Christ has nothing to do with this. But these are the same girls that would espouse that they are so biblically sound and that they have such a strong faith in the Lord. And it's that kind of attitude and it is that spirit that is so anti-Christ. I've like nothing I've ever seen. That is what today's churches are doing. And that is why we are going to continue to fail to live up to what Christ is asking us to do. And that is why the church is going to keep failing. Amen. You made me cry too. (laughs) It, It was the saddest thing. The saddest thing. And our, um, our advisor, we went to her and we're just like, what happened here is awful. It is wrong. Like so many of us were bawling. We're like, what is happening here is so wrong. And she made us go back in there to revote. And she told us to do the right thing. And girls got so mad. Like I've never seen to the point that I've never seen. It was just pure hatred like they Mm -hmm. were just so mad and these are what american christians look like yeah and they did it they did it again and it just makes you think about like and i'm not saying this girl is jesus but it's if we were to do it all over again they still would have persecuted jesus i think if uh jesus came back today he'd be persecuted the same people that act like they know him. These same churchy, I go to church on Sunday individuals would be the same people persecuting him. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on this? I know we got to go, but I just have a question. One of my friends had this youth pastor, mm-hmm. and apparently the youth pastor's wife had some like old photos on Facebook where like, I don't know if she had the middle finger up. I don't know if it was that innocent or if it was, I'm trying to figure it out in my mind, but let's just go with this. It was on Facebook, but it was like a wet t-shirt contest. Mm -hmm. But these pictures were 10 years ago of the Mm -hmm. pastor, youth pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. And they fired the youth pastor because of his wife's old photos on Facebook. That's wrong. Yeah, I think so, too. That's so wrong. Yeah. I mean, she probably should have taken them down. For sure. But, I mean, it's not like she... They should have just said, take them down. Yeah. She's not living that way. You can see how long ago that was. Mm -hmm. No, if there were recent photos and she's doing that, then I would say there's probably an issue. Yeah. But if these are old photos... Right. How are you going to condemn someone when they've clearly turned their life around? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the American church. That... They'll all dig up your past... And use it against you. Just like the people of the world. Dig up Mm -hmm. your past and use it against you. You know how many people don't listen to, once again, Marcus Rogers because of his past? 
mm-hmm. when this dude is doing the Lord's work daily. It's just crazy. I need to stop talking about Marcus Rogers. You can tell I like them. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> they forget, like, what? Peter had a gambling issue, you know? David was a hoe. Yeah, like, <laughs> David, I was like, we can talk about David for a long time. <laughs> David yeah. has some issues. Yeah, he's still... And he's loved, loved by the Lord. The Lord's just like, come on. Come on, dude, get it together. We're going to get it together. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Have faith in you. It's just crazy. Look up every character. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to call them characters. Every person in the Bible mm-hmm. had some sort of issue that if they were here today would stop them well the people would stop them mm-hmm. from spreading the gospel or their message about the lord mm-hmm. they would say oh we can't listen to you david you're a fornicator and an adulterer and a murderer and blah 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 or noah we're not going to get on the boat with you you're a drunkard you're a murderer mm-hmm. blah 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 every single person why would we listen to the gospel from peter when he's out there playing dice in the back in the alley it's just incredible. All these people have, and it's it just brings me back again to like the people that are out here actually doing the Lord's work. Their past is horrible, but the Lord isn't holding that against them. So why are you? That's the thing. Like they're just they're gonna hate you. They're gonna find a reason to hate you, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. Even the people that say that they know the Lord are gonna hate you. Yeah, like it. It just. Blows but my mind. Jesus told us mm-hmm. we would be hated. The world hates him. Exactly. But it's it's like, but the church, but the church today is the, of the world. That's the problem too. I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's like mm-hmm. the the people that are supposed to love you, and f- I mean, they're not the ones forgiving your sins, but your sins have been forgiven. Why aren't they acting like that? Mm-hmm. Like the oh, I'm forgiven. My sins are good, but you. Your mm-hmm. sins haven't been forgiven. And they want to act like they're better than you. And that's honestly like my sorority is the easiest example because that's how they acted. Like we talk about, like I drank a lot. I, I hung out with the fraternities. Like I did a lot of things that I shouldn't be doing. But because of that, they acted like that discredited me, even though they were still, you know, they're, they're just as bad. Mm-hmm. They tried to act like it didn't matter, even though I was, I was the one coming up with our nonprofit ideas. Mm-hmm. I was on the exec board. I was keeping girls from getting in trouble from doing those things because I learned Mm -hmm. regardless of what I was doing necessarily. Like it, it didn't make them better than me or me better than them. Like we were all equal, but they just had this like conceit. They were so conceited. Like it just, it blew my mind and it, it was interesting because these are the same girls that then, brought in these other girls below them thinking that they were going to be just like them and they're going to be better and they're the ones that got our charter taken how is it that my group and the years above us were living lives that some stories just need to go to the grave quite frankly (laughs) but like and never got the charter taken but then these girls who were holier than thou and just put themselves on a pedestal. And to this day, I still think they all think they're better than everybody mm-hmm. are but the they're... ones that got these girls in here and got the charter taken and didn't want to do anything to help them. Like, it's just, it's just so apparent. And it's the best example I have 
of how the church fails because these are the girls that are part of the church that were acting like they were better than everyone because they were going to church on Sunday. Well, that's exactly what we brought up 45 minutes ago was that nobody is good. And Jesus, this is why the Pharisees hated him, because Jesus went to the Pharisees and told them, look at you. You act so holy. You're the men of God. You worship in the synagogues and you do all of this stuff. But you hate your brother. Therefore, if you hate your brother in your heart without cause, Mm -hmm. you've committed murder because he was looking at not these outward appearances, but of what the heart says. And what's mm-hmm. in your heart. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with to look at a woman with lust. You've already co- committed adultery with mm-hmm. her in your mind. And it, I believe the reason he was saying this is to soften people's hearts and make them realize you ain't no good. Mm-hmm. You're not better. The man in the synagogue is not better than the prostitute in the street. Both of you are sinners in your own manner and need to come to repentance Pick up your cross, deny yourself daily, and follow me. Mm-hmm. And live the way that I'm showing you how to live. Be kind to the poor. Be kind to your neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. Cast out demons. Got to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Heal the sick. And be righteous as I am righteous. Mm-hmm. But the church is failing in every aspect of that. And I won't even say on a daily basis because they don't do anything every day. On a weekly basis, on a one hour a week basis, the church is failing this country, mm-hmm. its people, mm-hmm. and the Lord. Yeah. And I just, I don't want to say, oh, these people are going to hell or nothing. But every idle word will be judged when mm-hmm. you stand before the Lord. Everything that you do will be judged. And you're going to have to answer Mm-hmm. For the things you did on earth. And he's going to say, turn for me, I never knew you, or well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what I want to hear. And that's what I'm going to strive mm-hmm. to do on this earth, is to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's why, like, when we're talking all the time, we're going to these different churches, and I'm seeing this, and I'm like, I, I wish these pastors woke up every day thinking that I'm going to be judged more harshly than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Whose much is given, much is required. And it's just like the the more you get up here and you just teach prosperity. Like sometimes I think the pastors that truly do have a relationship with the Lord that just constantly miss the mark. Sometimes I feel like, and like this isn't for me to like, I don't know, but like I feel like they would be char- they would be judged more harshly than those that are false teachers that don't really know that are getting up here like a Stephen Furtick. Like, sure, he's reaching more people, but I feel like he also knows that he's prosperity mm-hmm. and he's lukewarm and he's just, you know, it's just a job. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of these other pastors, that I, I feel like they do want to do more. They want to do better. They think that they're doing well, but they actually have an understanding of the Bible and have a real relationship with the Lord, what I, I would think. Mm-hmm. And they're still every Sunday just missing the mark. Well, that's what sin means, to miss the mark. And just leading and just not equipping them and giving them the food of of, of the the word of, of God. Like, they're just not, they're just not doing it. Like, it's th- that, I feel like it's like, to me, and honestly, uh, who am I? That 
is almost worse because you know and you're still just missing the mark. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It is sad indeed. Sad indeed. And, uh, you know, with that being said, it's uh, we got to wrap it up. It's time to get going. I want to thank everybody for listening to us and joining us on this episode of American Churchianity. Um, Marie, if you can share where you can find us on our social media, that'd be nice. Go ahead. Yes, so we are on formerly known as Twitter, now X, um, Come What May Podcast. Um, The handle is capital C, capital W, capital M, lowercase a-y, so C-W-May underscore podcast. Um, And on Instagram, we are C-W-M podcast with no spaces. Um, We thank you. We appreciate you. We'd love to hear what your thoughts on this episode specifically because this was one of the harder ones i think for us to do and make sure we got right um but no yeah thank you and we're gonna try to be more consistent we got an email oh yeah we do um come what may podcast at yahoo.com so please let us know your thoughts and if there's any requests or episodes you want to hear um any feedback any criticisms i'm big on constructive criticism um that'd be awesome so just come what may podcast at yahoo.com all right excellent and i i think i say this almost every time but we'll have a facebook and a tiktok eventually probably two uh more to come on that in the future but uh yeah thanks for listening bye everybody